This is Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer, and I'm inviting everyone to join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. on the Kicking Lawyer fan page on Facebook for Law Talk Live, where we discuss business, politics, current events, and the law. If you miss the live version, you can watch the playback on YouTube or listen on your favorite podcast platform. All right, Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer, and we are live again for another Law Talk. I appreciate everybody taking the time out of the day to join us. We're going to have a good conversation today with a longtime friend, and uh, he's got some exciting information I want to talk with him about. If you haven't already, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe to us on all social media platforms. We're also on all podcast platforms, Google, Podcast, uh, Spotify, etc. We're also on TikTok. Josh likes to do lots of dances, lots of nude dances on there. So you what? Can join us for that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't recall any of this, but all right. And then uh, don't forget, August 20th and 21st in Covington at the Civic Centers, the Covington Comic Con returns. We are seeking sponsors and vendors as we speak. Uh, tickets will be available soon, so go to covetingcomiccon.com for information on that. And, of course, Michelle Allen is our longtime realtor sponsor. She's your go-to for cry-like realtors if you're trying to buy, sell, rent, anything real estate-related. She'd be glad to help you out. <clears throat> and Mason's Hike Team Martial Arts has been open since 93, churning out black belts and kicking lawyers alike. If you want information on that, just visit masonsmartialarts.com. And, of course, the cellar is located off the square in Covington. It's a 1920s-themed prohibition bar and restaurant. We'd love for you to come give it a try. Uh, it's open every day at 4 p.m. and Saturdays for brunch. And Masonite Digital Marketing, if you want assistance with your digital online presence, Josh will be glad to help you out. Just visit him at masonitemarketing.com. And joining me today is Mr. Pepper Peterson. How you doing, Pepper? Good. How are you, Jerry? Doing better now, right? Yeah, lots. <laughs> Feel great. So for those that don't know Pepper... Pepper's from here. We went to school together, uh, graduated high school, and Pepper runs off to Montana and, and all out that direction. And uh, he has a beautiful wife, Jamie, and some kids, and just been living this, living his life. And then he's back here because recently he, uh, and I'll let him tell his whole story, uh, but he was the recipient of an organ donor, and uh, which we want to talk about because I think, especially now knowing someone that's got life from it, you know, maybe we all need to reconsider checking that box to be an organ donor. Sure. Yeah. So, so what you been up to? What what you do over off in Man Montana, and then you know what are you doing back here and all that? Oh, you know we moved out, um, two thousand two ish, and um, work politics out there, and you know that's kind of my profession, fundraising and politics, and so we did that for many years, and um, you know worked for different organizations like the National Rifle Organ uh, Association and National Mining Association and various interests like that and some corporate public relations over the years and jamie works for the state these days and uh, we live in helena which is the capital city there in uh, montana and in uh, recent years i uh, legalized adult use marijuana in montana led the campaign to do that and then started a trade association to represent the legal marijuana businesses in montana and so we've been uh, you know, hard at work at that since sometime 2018. And then, you know, it takes a while to build a campaign in order to get some uh, funding and support from uh, the national organizations that you have to go to to, you know, like have a legitimate campaign for legalization. In Montana, we had medical marijuana in 2004. And so, you know, we had a pretty long history with um, legal cannabis. 
but they'd gone back and forth with legislation and there was a lot of changes but 2020 rolled around and we had a campaign ready and we uh, won a pretty substantial margin in Montana in 2020. We got more votes than any other candidate besides Donald Trump. And so, so, was, so tell me a little more about that on the cannabis end, I guess, because <clears throat> the question, obviously, Tennessee is not legal, not yet anyway. Sure. And there's a lot of people that, um, y- you know, wonder how it benefits the state, how it hurts the state. It's a gateway, all these different arguments they make. And you mentioned a minute ago before we started, you were talking about how Montana's probably a more conservative state than Tennessee. Yeah, I would think so. So, so how did you combat those arguments and get that support? You know, I mean, you can feel things in the air, as it were. Mm-hmm. You know, in 2004, when we legalized medical marijuana, I mean, it's a pretty strong message that people in Montana had changed their minds. Now, I mean, we have a very libertarian bend. Our Senator John Tester's a Democrat, and the other one, um, Steve Daines, is a Republican. You know, and so we've gone back and forth um, with the vote. People tend to vote for the candidate more than the party um, in recent years. But we've had a big influx of new population as of the pandemic. A lot of people are fleeing the cities on the West Coast. And, you know, it's pretty easy living in Montana, and so a lot of them want to come there. So we've seen a pretty substantial increase in population. Most of those folks seem to have been Republican. And so I think the state is, you know, wholly Republican at this point. If you look at the ballot in 2020, I mean, the Republican won the dog catcher. I mean, like every single office was a Republican victory, but we also won marijuana. You know, it's like mm. 58% of the vote. Again, we got more votes than anybody except for Donald Trump. Mm. You know, we're talking hundreds of thousands. Um, you know, there's about a million point three um, residents in Montana. We've got three times more cows than that. But um, <laughs> for as far as residents are concerned, and you know, there's like 700,000 voters or so. And, um, you know, we came in and won 58% in Montana. And, and it was complicated because we had these two different initiatives. You know, and so it got very legally complicated. I remember at one point we had six lawyers that had lawyers, you know. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yeah, and, and we sued the Supreme, you know, like we sued the state and went to the Supreme Court over electronic signatures during the pandemic. And then we kind of had to reinvent the signature gathering process because, I mean, there was a pandemic on, you know. And so we had individual pins for each person to use to sign the initiatives and you kind of stand back and point at it from over there, you know, mm. but doing that, we still got, you know, two initiatives on the ballot and we changed the, the Montana state constitution. It was complicated because, you know, our polling showed that nobody was going to take it if it wasn't 21 and over. And in Montana, you're an adult for all legal purposes, except for alcohol consumption, um, according to the state constitution. And so if we were going to make it 21 and over, we had to go and change the state constitution mm. so that they could say, okay, this is just for 21 and over. So it got complicated, and so it ended up being really expensive. But because everybody else's campaigns have been shut down by the pandemic, you know, we still had a campaign going. We attracted a lot of donor money. and mm-hmm. I think we had the most expensive campaign for marijuana legalization per voter in history, you know. Well, so it's been legal now two years for adult recreational use, correct? Yeah, but legal recreational uh, adult sales have only been legal since the beginning of 21. So you still have a year's data, at least. Yeah, right? yeah, Over absolutely. Year's data. And, you know, the interesting thing was the tax allocations. Well, that's what I was going to say is here's what I'm asking. Because for Tennessee, aside from the ethical, moral, right or wrong, all that kind of stuff on right. marijuana use, my concern is did the state benefit, and then has there been any negative repercussions we that you've seen we from seen, weed? No, we've seen no increase in crime of any sort. You know, we've seen no negative societal repercussions and you know like the prohibition people that that come in from dc and campaign against us 
frequently cite this study from the Centennial Institute, which is Colorado Christian Institute, and they factor in like every single expense that that you know like the state of Colorado uh, gets through social services. Like if there's a baby born somewhere that has disabilities, then they're throwing that in the marijuana pot, you know. Mm. And so it was a really illegitimate study. And so, but they still banner and oh, it's going to cost four dollars per dollar that you make in tax revenue. That's proven to be ludicrous in Montana. I mean, there's just not a heavy societal cost for marijuana legalization. Um, for alcohol legalization, there is, you mm-hmm. know, but we all accept that. And so, you know, we have to look at these things logically and say, is it worth putting people in prison? Is it worth ruining people's lives? Is it worth creating a whole underclass of citizens that can't access social services or jobs? Mm-hmm. Do we really want to do that? You know, and what's the cost benefit analysis there? I think we were arresting like 1,800 people a year in Montana for simple possession, like around a gram. Mm-hmm. And most of them were young Native American people, you know, and so all those arrests are gone. Mm-hmm. And so those kids can work for NASA now, you know, they can go to the military, they can do whatever they want because they weren't arrested and charged with, you know, a misdemeanor or sometimes a felony for mm-hmm. marijuana possession. And so it's it's had very positive societal benefits of, you know, stopping those arrests and as far as the vet population in Montana, you know, Montana's like Tennessee, where Tennessee's a volunteer state. Montana has the highest per capita ratio of veterans for any state. And so, I, you know, on the campaign, when I talked to these guys about legalization, they said, you know, hey, I'm, I'm using marijuana for my PTSD or for my back pain or whatever, but there's no way I'm going to get a medical marijuana card because I don't want them to know that I have marijuana and guns you know because these guys all have hunting rifles and Mm -hmm. when you live in montana you're gonna hunt right so Mm -hmm. um when they have um when they have marijuana cards they're concerned that you know the government might come in and say hey you can't do that and so they were excited about adult use legalization because that gave them access without having to be on some list somewhere and so that was a big societal benefit for the veterans. Is the is the money, the I guess, tax revenue, um, and then I'm sure there's other revenue too. Like I'm sure we hadn't even got into how you guys are, I assume it's privately funded grows that are regulated yeah, by the yeah. state. We had we had vertical <laughs> grow operations, you know, like I'd say there were about 280 to 300 medical marijuana operators. And um, those people had completely vertical business models. They couldn't trade with each other. Like if you made, if you were going to sell it, you had to make it. You know, mm-hmm. you had to grow it, you had to make it. And so they've gotten real innovative as business people. Um, well, I know Missouri was looking at, uh, or Missouri did, where you would get. It was like three licenses. There was like sure. a manufacturer, distribution, yep. and something else. Yeah, I think we've got seven license types in mm-hmm. Montana, and one of those is the Native American Combined Use License because we wanted to give them entry into the market at the same time as we gave the medical marijuana folks limited entry into the market. Cause I, I helped, you know, I wrote the initiative with the lawyers and um, when we went to the legislature, they changed it completely, but we negotiated that with the legislature. And, and um, so there were a lot of things that we, you know, worked in there and, and worked on. I mean, lobbying is a give and take process. So, you know, we, we had to give up some things, but we got a lot of things in the process. And one of those things that we got was, the ability to do business with each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, it only makes sense so that you can specialize, you know, in, in your specific field instead of trying to be every instrument in the band, as it were, as a business. Um, you know, if they had to, like, grow the grain and grind it and make bread and then sell it at Kroger, you'd see very limited choice, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was the case before. 
because it was all you know completely vertical and you were tethered to one producer as a patient so you signed up with jerry then you stayed with jerry and he was your guy you mm -hmm. know um, and a lot of people were comfortable with that because they knew who their customers were, you know, and, and they knew what their customer base was when it went to recreational, you know, it's just marketing at that point, mm -hmm. you know, where you have your shop, you know, what's your traffic flow, et cetera. But, um, yeah, we did some projections. We worked with the university of Montana to do a, a tax projection, you know, to see what the revenue was going to be. And we projected in the first year that there'd be somewhere around $260 million of marijuana sales in Montana. In, in 2022 and those predictions have come pretty accurate i mean we're actually above that mm -hmm. and so there's is, a 20 is any of it is any of it earmarked for something specific yeah yeah a lot of i mean pretty much all of it is by the governor's office and with the initiative you know like we have the initiative process where you guys have to go through the legislature and so in the initiative process we talked about where we wanted it spent you know and a lot of that was conservation stuff folks wanted to put torch trails and you know, nature preserves and, and habitat restoration, et cetera, because Montanans love their outdoors. You know, it's a big part of living there. Uh, but the legislature had different ideas about where to put it, and the governor had different ideas. And so he created some different funds through the legislative process. Uh, one of them is the Heart Fund, and it's uh, it's like a $9 million bucket that catches the first, you know, revenues of the program and then puts those towards drug courts. And they've got like a three to one federal match on that. So it's phenomenal, you know, money. Mm -hmm. if, if you're going to put it towards a federal match, then multiply your money three times. That's great use of those dollars. Um, but the rest of it goes towards different things. There's a property tax relief for widows of veterans. There's um, some stuff that goes towards the trails. Um, there's other programs that it supports. Like we had to get new drug dogs in Montana, right? because the marijuana drug dogs are no longer relevant. So they had to ship those guys to Kansas or something and um, get new drug dogs. And um, so pretty much every major police department in the states use marijuana money already yeah. to replace their drug dogs. And then there's local option taxes. So when we designed the tax system, we said, hey, we want to make sure that the state gets a piece and that the local governments can get a piece. And so the, the local governments have the ability to further tax an additional 3% within their localities. And that just, you know, the sales that happen within their borders, mm -hmm. um, they can tax. And they also have the ability to say, no, we don't want, you know, recreational marijuana in our county. We don't want the adult use sales in our county. Well, but is it still statewide? I assume then statewide is still legal, though, for use. Yeah, absolutely. They just can't purchase it there. Yeah, and so you just go to the county <laughs> next door and spend your tax money there. You know? Same as wet and dry counties in Arkansas. Yeah, it's very similar to wet and dry. But, yeah. But you look at California, you look at Washington, you look at Oregon, they all have very similar models, you know, where they have wet and dry counties, as it were. And it starts out where there's a lot of rural counties that don't, take it and then eventually they say you know what are we doing we got to get some of this tax money well let me ask you this question and this is kind of putting you on the spot so you can answer it or defer but you know a lot of people here in tennessee still have and this is just my perception of of it from talking to people sure have resistance to marijuana just in or can any cannabis whether it's vaping or the the gummies or any of that any form of cannabis sure um, just generally resistive of, of uh, recreational. So what is the argument, other than potential tax dollars, do you have any other argument on why they should be supportive of recreational marijuana use? Uh, you know, we studied in depth what people's opinions were informed by um, in relation to their opinions on marijuana as we went forward in the campaign. And it seems that if you have a familial connection, you know, like mm -hmm. you've got some stoner cousin that lives on your aunt's couch and never leaves, <laughs> yeah. like... 
then you have a negative perception of marijuana. But if you've encountered it through your friends, mm -hmm. then you've got a more positive perception because, you know, you're not involved in those people's lives. You don't, you know, it's like, hey, I just know they're a good timer and they don't fight at the bar, right? Yeah. Well, I said, I said something to you earlier about that. Josh, cut over while I'm getting my drink. Anyway, about uh, when I was a deputy all those years, I don't ever remember fighting anybody high on weed. I'd fight people that were drunk, and I fought people oh, yeah. on, on other drugs, but not, not marijuana. No, I, I think that we've got 100 years of prohibition that, that have informed people's opinions on this. And so they're going to, uh, honestly, what happens is that as the population ages, the people who had the harsher opinions die out. Yeah. Um, now, but like I said, if you look at the demographics in Montana, it was 58%. You know, in a heavily, heavily Republican election, like the most Republican election I've ever seen. And so the same people that vote for Donald Trump vote for legal marijuana in Montana. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if if somebody's doing something like drinking alcohol, then I think it's pretty tough for them to say, oh, look <laughs> yeah, at you no, stoners. You guys are, I agree. You guys are, are the bane of society. I, I think we all know better than that at this point. And I think that if you have any experience in the real world outside of your home, you know that alcohol is a menace to society. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not a, uh, a marijuana user, but I do regularly drink alcohol. And sure. I agree that uh, marijuana is much less, it causes less aggression, it impairs your decision-making less, even though I personally don't have the experience to really base that on. Sure. So uh, Professional experience, though. I mean, as a police officer. Oh, no, yeah, but, my, but, say, but even more than that. I've looked at the studies. There have been studies in medical journals that show that there's a positive there's there's positive uses for marijuana. Oh, absolutely. You, you know, even recreationally for people with anxiety or you got a stressful day. I or... mean, if you choose, I mean, let's let's put them on the let's put them on the board and mm -hmm. choose. You know, and you've got the ability to choose between marijuana or opioids mm -hmm. or. Oh, sure. That's another great point. Is you know here in Tipton County, especially I know Shelby and all the surrounding counties are dealing with it is uh, one of the huge problems that we're dealing with criminal defense is the opioid addiction. Yeah, absolutely. People abusing opioids. And I think if marijuana were legal, I don't th I don't view it as a gateway necessarily, no more than alcohol. Well, I mean, let's talk about that. that I, mean, it. I, I think trauma is the gateway, mm -hmm. right? I mean, we've all got issues. Everybody's got some kind of issue. You know, I'm not your mama, but... You know, my mama did tell you to tell you hi, by the way. Okay, I went by the house. <laughs> she the said, day. So good to see you. I drove by the house the other day and I was thinking, Oh, that's where we used to fight with swords. So, you know, <laughs> um, I got some of the stuff here, right? <laughs> it's on the uh comments, but anyway, uh, sorry, I mean, you know, it's just I think that people are honest with themselves and they start to drop their hypocrisy. But it's also based on their experience with it. And what's going to happen, guys, is before you ever have recreational marijuana, you're going to have medical marijuana. Mm -hmm. um, and then people will see that it's got extremely positive benefits and that it's it's their teachers and their, you know, uh, uh, civic leaders and the people <laughs> they go to church with that are getting the salve and getting a little smoke, you know, because they've got liver cancer or because they've got... Um, a paralyzed stomach from MS or, you know, they've got PTSD from the war or from a, a domestic incident when they were, you know, married or had a kid or you name it, you know. Yeah. Again, I think that trauma is the gateway. And so everybody's got issues, whether they're physical or psychological. And, you know, you put them on that spectrum and you say, okay, here's your choices. And in society today, the choices that we lay out legally are, are horrendous. I mean, here you go. You can either have alcohol or you can go to the doctor and he'll put you on some antipsychotic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we could see the results of that in society. I mean, there's, you know, mother's little helper, as it were, so frequently, Xanax, 
prescriptions for folks and how much of that could we avoid mm-hmm. if marijuana were legal and folks could just you know have a piece of brownie or yeah you know and i don't want to over medicalize marijuana i think that there are legitimate uses i don't think it's going to cure everything mm-hmm. you know but i've seen cbd salves and i've seen people respond to marijuana that have parkinson's in miraculous ways and you know i had kidney disease for geez 2007 ish you know when it got really painful and i immediately went and got medical marijuana and you know it kept me from being a dope fiend i mean i still took hydrocodone and and um, had to because i had severe pain but I was able to augment that, you know, so that I didn't have to go overboard with it, so that I could sometimes take a break from that. And, and go well, to something and, else. and I want to talk a little more about the marijuana later, but I know some people that are watching are interested in the donor um, issue you just dealt with. Sure. With, uh, so you mentioned the kidney disease. So walk me through, like, what happened, what you know that happened, sure. and then how bad you were. And then, of course, what we've all talked about was basically an angel came in, and it, yeah, it sounds like it now has saved four people. From, for, for being an organ, an organ donor. So tell me about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was, I, you know, I was working for NRA and um, I was here in Tennessee actually when I first got the job, worked for National Rifle Association back in 2007. And I'd seen a dentist and I got some infection. It was like a staph infection. Nothing you'd really think about significantly, you know. But then I, something set in like a flu on me. And by the end of it, I was having problems that, just started cascading what year was that oh seven oh seven yeah and i went i i was so sick i couldn't drive but jamie was like oh we gotta go back to montana you know no matter what and so we went back and we stopped off ron sutton's house along the way and then we went on up uh, because he was in i think minnesota or wisconsin or something at the time and um we went across north dakota i remember i got home and i man i was so sick and so i finally went to the doctor and they said you know you seem to be having all these problems you seem to be passing blood and so I went to doctors for like two years in Helena. And we, it's a small town, you know. I mean, it's the state capital, but it's still like 30,000 people. It's like living in Covington, you know. And so eventually I said, I'll just go to the Mayo Clinic. You know, after two years, I'm not finding the answer, what I was looking for. And they said, you know, like 24 hours, they work you up, put you in every test on earth. And then they, they told me I had this kidney disease. And I said, you know, the only it just started when I went to this dentist and the guy's like, Hey, you know, that's, that's what happens. Sometimes you get an infection and then your immune system goes awry and then bada bing, bada boom, you got kidney disease, you know, this IgA nephritis. And so they told me, you know, 10, 15 years, you're probably going to have kidney failure, you know, but you're lucky you caught it early. Mm-hmm. We could kind of stave it off for a few years. And so I took medicine and then, you know, just worked around the pain. Um, it got really severe though. And, um, as I was going through, um, I, it was around 21 where I just was losing all my energy and, you know, sleeping an additional three, four hours a day. And, um, you know, the, I knew what was going on. I was going to the doctor regularly and I, you know, I had blood tests regularly and he said, you know, we're going to put you on a list for a kidney. And, you know, it's really intimidating. To, and I'm a fundraiser. I, I raised $9 million to legalize marijuana in Montana. I've raised millions of dollars for the NRA and for, you know, various causes out there. And so I, I raise money in my job. I'm always asking people for money. But when you're thinking about asking somebody for an organ, you know, like mm-hmm. changes the equation. Um, and so you go through the first people that you know, you know, and you're like, what about my family members, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 
my sister, my sister gave me her left hand if I asked her for it, you know, even though she couldn't Because Is it based on just blood type that might match? Yeah, well, and, you know, there's this kidney registry, the National Kidney Registry, where you can, like, somebody can give a kidney in your name, and then they give you a voucher for a kidney, yeah. you know. And so that's the National Kidney Registry. And that's what I was, you know, I was thinking about, and I was getting on that list, and I talked to Aaron Huffman about it, and he was like, "Look, I give my kidney to you, and I don't know about giving somebody. I don't even want to see some other dude walking around my kidney, you know." And so I was like, "No, no, I can respect that." And um, you know, my family members all had some sort of health problem, and and so I was just you know getting to the point to where I was going to have to start asking people, and I you know I was working the dispensary pretty frequently in Helena um, Cannabis Corner in Twenty One, and. When, you, when you're selling medical marijuana, you talk to a lot of people, especially if you run a small shop. And so I talked to a lot of the people that came in. There were like five people that had donated kidneys mm-hmm. that I talked to that were my patients, you know, um, in, in 2020, 2021. And so, you know, they were like, look, it'll, it's all going to work out. I've been riding this kidney for, you know, this is my second kidney, you know. Mm-hmm. like, And so I wasn't really scared of the surgery, you know. It's like more am I going to be able to work? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be able to provide for my family? Am I going to be able to in the interim before I find a donor? And so I, you know, you start thinking about that stuff and, and, um, I was just getting more tired and more tired. And the guy that I worked with, Ted Dick, um, he's the former executive director of the Montana democratic party. And he's a real swift guy. And I teamed up with him on the legalization campaign. He's the, actually the guy that approached me about it. And so Ted and I worked together all the time at the Montana Cannabis Guild, which is our trade association. And but Ted drives all the time. Like I never drive. You know, Ted drives everywhere, and we travel like a thousand miles a week at minimum. You mm-hmm. know, and so we're always on the road. But I just slept in between meetings. You know, like get in the car and go to sleep. So Ted was just hauling my corpse around. You know, <laughs> like propping me up for meetings. It was almost like weekend at Bernie's. You know, it was mm-hmm. like getting that bad. And so um, anyway, when um, was the pain getting worse and everything? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty bad? constant. I mean, when I went in for the surgery, just, you know, I, they asked how much pain medication I was taking, and I told them, and they gasped, you know. They were like, oh, my God, that's a lot. It's like, yeah, I'm sure it is because mm-hmm. I've been in horrible pain for 10 years, you know. But I've been I, – I know my doctors well. It's a small town, and so they know I'm not out, you know, selling – hydrocodone to my neighbors or something so i've had a a steady uh, pain medication prescription with my doctor and and you know we've dealt with it and and, you know sometimes you just gotta suffer i mean i you know you don't want to tell people that it's the truth Mm -hmm. Um, and your doctor like when they have an honest conversation with you about pain management because pain management is it's wild you know like nobody knows where your pain's coming from so often or how to treat it or what to do um and you know that's where marijuana comes in so handy for a lot of people that that um, have cancer or MS or something, you know, with severe pain that might not react well to opioids. But you got to get used to this stuff. And so, you know, there's processes you go through that you have to consult with your doctor on. And, and you know, after 10 or so years, you know, you kind of get in the groove, but and then things radically change. And they say, oh, you got to get a kidney now, you know, like you're going to be put on dialysis soon, which is hell on earth. Mm-hmm. Like dialysis is really bad for people. So anyway, um, I've been worried about this, and I talked to my sister about it because, you know, you read the registry uh, literature, and they're like, get an advocate, you know, like get two advocates, family members, loved ones, somebody that can help you find a donor and activate them, you know, make videos for social media, you know, like talk about it and talk to people about it. And so, 
um, I was getting ready to do that, you know, like putting these public relations wheels in motion, you know. And um, my sister called me, and I was at a meeting in Bozeman, and my phone rang. And, you know, you're, like, in a meeting, so it's like, oh, I'll call them back, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like five more times the phone rings, and then my wife takes me, and she's like, answer the phone, your sister's calling. And so Jennifer called me, and she said, hey, I just talked to Barbie, who's a hairdresser, um, mm-hmm. you know, and Jennifer's a hairdresser in Brighton. And so she said, um, you know, that that uh, one of our friends and associates had, had passed, and that Barbie had called her and said, you know, they're, they're thinking about donating their organs. And at the time, I didn't know who it was. My sister didn't tell me. And so um, I, you know, like, I, I just talked to her all day about it, and then she was really insistent that I give somebody a call because, you know, like, you got to be proactive about these things if you're looking for an mm-hmm. organ out there. And, and um, it's a difficult thing to talk to people about, but you just got to get past that in some way. And so, anyway, I I, I was just kind of stunned, you know, and I, so I called Ron Sutton, and I talked to him about it, and he said, um, I said, who do you know who this is? And Ron said, yeah, yeah, I know, I know who this is. This is um, Katie we knew her back in you know our college days and i think she hung out with cynthia smith some and i said um you know is it the katie i'm thinking about and he's like i don't know if it's that katie but it's katie van Duzer. and i was like oh yeah yeah i remember the van Duzer family because my brother went to preschool at first baptist you know mm-hmm. i think that's where their kids went and so um it was a different katie than i was thinking about but anyway so i called big steve and i you know big steve mm-hmm. of course and um i said big steve uh you know do you, you remember katie and he said oh yeah yeah call brian brian knows her and so he said if brian doesn't know her brian knows a family member and so i called brian or texted him or i can't even remember but um he said you know i could just make one phone call here let me make a phone call and so brian made the phone call and i think he talked to kelly and um kelly brainerd and she said um she said, this is exactly what the family's looking for, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, it's it's a tough situation, but, you know, at the point to where your family member is deceased and you don't have any choice anymore about where to go and, you know, you're thinking about, you know, what's best for them and what they want. And it's that's got to be, like, the toughest moment in your life as a parent, you know. I can only imagine. And just so that everybody knows, I did speak to Miss Donna, who's a friend of all of ours, and they're, they're great people. And she was very, she's given me some more information on uh, that now there have been four people that have been saved from donations from, That's awesome. yeah, from Katie's organs. And uh, she wanted me to tell you that she doesn't know you that well, but she loves you and that she wanted to hug you before you left. That's what she said. Okay. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's like I said, I'm a fundraiser. I've asked people for a million bucks before and got it. And, you know, those are tough asks, but not like this ask, you know. And, when I talked to Kelly, she said, you know, this is exactly what the family's looking for, somebody they know that, that they can get, you know, that they can follow along and know, you know, that their daughter's still alive. And so, anyway, there were some complications because the hospital in Memphis had not yet processed my paperwork. Because, you know, I'd been signed up at Salt Lake to get a transplant, but, you know, I was thinking about it, and I was just sitting around thinking about it one night, and I said, you know, I'm most likely to get a kidney donated to me from somebody I went to high school with. Let's mm-hmm. just be honest, you know, because mm-hmm. how well do you know people <laughs> as you become an adult? You know, like you make your best friends in first grade probably. So um, <laughs> I figured. for me and Aaron. Yeah. And so, I, you know, it's like here I am. We hung out, you know, what, ninth, tenth grade, yeah. eighth grade even. And, um, you know, so I figured, hey, somebody that really knows me, knows my family, mm-hmm. one of my cousins, I don't even know, 
you know, it's going to be my donor. And I, I can't imagine sitting in a hotel room for six weeks in Salt Lake City, you know, like, because you got to be right here at the hospital, you know, because they've got to check up on you like once a week or more. Mm-hmm. And if anything goes wrong, they want you to be there, you know, in an hour or so. And, um, you know, because it's touch and go at first with any kind of organ donation. They don't know how your body's going to react. And so on May 14th, I got the call from, I think it was the 12th, I got a call from my sister, and then on the 14th, the con, the the um, the uh, transplant center um, coordinator, Ben, um, this guy out of, uh, out of uh, UT here, called me and said, hey man, are you, uh, are you able to get on a plane and get to Memphis? And I was like, probably not, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't understand like how many flights that we have out of Montana. So I checked every city and there was no way I could get there, you know? So when my wife put on Facebook, like, you know, like, can somebody get us to Salt Lake so we can catch a flight? And so, um, I was sitting in that living room with Steve and we were talking about big Steve. And we were talking about how, you know, it's like, what am I going to do here? Like drive to Salt Lake. And, and my business partner Ted was there and he was like, I'll drive you Salt Lake, let's go, you know, like we can start now. If we need to turn around, we will. Mm-hmm. And so um everybody was searching on their phones for flights, you know. It's like, is there a flight from Salt Lake to Memphis at all tonight? Because there I was like, you know, if I get there at two PM tomorrow, will everything hey Josh, be okay open that door. then? It's hot. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, it's like if I, I asked the transplant team, you know, we went back and forth for at least three hours, you know, like if I get there this time, can you get me in? You know, mm-hmm. it's always no, 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 no. So it's getting kind of depressing at this point, you know, and big Steve was like, Hey, I found a flight. You know, he was been looking on his phone. And so I put my credit card information in and the freaking thing disappeared, you know? And so I had to break out my laptop and, you know, use my travel skills that I'd gained working for the NRA. Cause when I worked for NRA, I traveled Montana, Idaho, Washington, Oregon, and Alaska just constantly. And so I was always booking flights. And so anyway, I found a flight that left from Salt Lake and, you know, landed in Memphis at like 9 AM. And they said, all right, if you can do that, we'll get you in, you know, we can do the donation, we can do the transplant. And so, um, I just had to get to Salt Lake, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't think I can get there by driving and get there in time. And so a friend that uh, is connected to Grand Street Theater, and Grand Street Theater, my wife is on the board of directors there. It's much like the theaters here that Brian and you participate in. The Ruffin. Yeah, Ruffin, and I know Brian does some stuff in Memphis as well with some playhouses. But uh, we've got uh, we've got a nice community theater there in Helena, Montana, called the Grand Street Theater, and my kids are always acting. They're always in a new play. And uh, they've got, like, Tony Award-winning directors. It's, it's a nice little place. Uh, Montana seems to attract those folks that are you know like a little more talented because they want to retire somewhere nice and so like our law school's got ex-supreme court justices from every state because <laughs> yeah. they're like oh fish huh yeah yeah no problem because there's a river that runs right <laughs> through campus you know the river runs through it as yeah. it were huh. at the university of montana but anyway um so um a friend said hey i know somebody with a plane and then these people in bozeman um bridger aerospace who do like scout flights for fires because you know we have wildfires out west and so you have to have little planes going and searching for little trails of smoke so they can send in special forces teams of firefighters you know to yeah. put the fires out anyway they they said hey we'll give you a ride to salt lake no problem we just got this new plane we need to put some hours on it it was awesome it was like this cool little fire watch plane with six or eight seats you know and mm-hmm. so 
I, I called my wife because she had taken the kids to the theater. To, you know, they were in some play at the time. And I was like, hey, just meet me at the airport so you guys can say bye to me. And I'm going to leave for six weeks. <laughs> and so I, I just grabbed some crap and threw it in my carry-on. I don't think anything I brought was relevant. You know? <laughs> I was like, I got the I got the base for the toothbrush, but not the top. You know, it's like, it's not toothbrush. What the hell is it? You know, it's not toothpaste. What is this? You know, some sort of muscle cream or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, I and uh, Big Steve went to the airport with me with, with Ted and Jamie met us there and, um, you know, hopped on this tiny plane and flew to Salt Lake. And I mean, it was cool. It was like a, you know, Indiana Jones adventure as I boarded this small plane and waved to the family, you know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, we landed at night. So I always like to fly at night, you know, you see the city coming up. And uh, I got a cheeseburger and, you know, waited for my flight and everything worked out. And I, I was in Atlanta and I was headed to Memphis and I went and told the pilots, I was like, look, I'm going for an organ donation. So you guys make this a little quicker, you know? <laughs> and so I think we arrived like 10 minutes early. So I don't know if it was because they were making the extra effort or just because we had favorable winds. But we got there, the stewardess just told everybody to sit down and shut up so they could get me to the front, you know? And they were like, everybody just chill out. You know, we got an organ uh, transplant coming here. And so... I got out and I went down to luggage and um, and uh, Aaron and my mom were down there and so Aaron was driving my mom's van and she hopped in the back and like he just took off I think the door was still open you know it's like running over people as we're leaving the airport he might have taken out a few cones I don't know um, anyway it, it we got to the to the hospital real quickly and you know they started prepping me and they usually spend like a year prepping you for a transplant. So they got to do all this crap and these social workers have to talk to you. You know, it's like a CIA interrogation. You sure you're doing it? You sure, you know? It's like, sign this paper, sign this paper, sign these papers in triplicate, you know? And so they're like, you realize this could all go south and you just die, you know? It's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know? It's like, uh, watch this video. Okay, you've seen enough of it. That's the, you know, like, we'll move on to the next thing. And they bring in dietitians and psychologists and transplant team and pain management teams. And, you know, like, then they finally bring in the surgeon. And Aaron and I were sitting there um, and my mom. And and the surgeon's, like, 24 or something. I mean, <laughs> this guy is, like, straight, fresh out of medical school. And, like, he doesn't make eye contact with any of us, you know. He's, like, looking at the floor and, you know, talking to us and, he leaves the room. Aaron goes, yes. <laughs> he said, that's the one we want. <laughs> he said, that guy probably just does this. Yeah. He probably plays video games at home where he does surgery. You yeah, know, yeah. like, like we're not in danger of this guy's social life getting in the way of his surgical <laughs> prowess. You know, this, this guy spends all of his time doing this, you know, but right. not, but uh, he was young and, uh-huh. um, and obviously very talented and uh i've got a foot long scar now where he cut me open but um anyway once i got you know processed and um they still didn't know like you know if there was going to be a direct match it's 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 a very interesting process you go through you know like oh the blood match blood type matches and so we let's get you here to prep you but we still got to send this blood off to vandy you know and that's why i had to get there at 9 a.m because they had to like take like a gallon of blood from me and send it all to Vandy. I never had so much blood taken in my life. They had to like stop and wait for a while, make me eat something and then go back in, you know? Um, but, uh, they sent it off to Vandy for a white blood cell match, you know, essentially like put pieces of, 
you know, like tissue samples uh, from the donor and then your white blood cells and see if they go to war. And evidently mine were very compatible. And so, but they didn't, you know, I'm like prepped and on the table and like waiting to go into surgery. And they, the anesthesia guy's like sitting there, you know, waiting. just waiting. And I was talking to these guys, you know, because you get, you get really nervous when something like this going on. Sure. Anytime I get nervous, I get manic, you know, so I'm, I'm just talking to these guys. And I was asking everybody where they were from, you know, this guy says, uh, oh, I'm from Ohio. And so the only thing I think was like the apocalypse now monologue, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> You ever you ever been on the river, the Ohio River, sir? <laughs> you know, and so I started like going through this monologue with this guy from uh, Apocalypse Now, and he had no idea what the hell I was talking about, you know. And so I finally was like, you know, Marlon Brando, Apocalypse Now, you know, when he catches the assassin that's gonna come kill him, and he's like. I don't know what the hell you're talking about, man. <laughs> and so, like, I think he was just waiting for the go-ahead to plunge me, you know. And so <laughs> they, they came in. They gave me updates every now and then, you know. And they were like, uh, well, it's going to be about 20 minutes for the blood test results to get here. And I was like, what are you about? I thought we'd already passed that part of the process. I thought we were mm-hmm. good to go. I thought we were, like, just waiting on, you know, like, the go-ahead from some surgeon. He was like, oh, no, no, we still got to get this white blood cell match done, you know. So that's when I started freaking out. It was shocking to me the amount of things that had to fall into place. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. I mean, it was just like a monumental amount mm-hmm. of dominoes that had to fall just right. So what – Brian Huffman's in here, by the way, for those that can't see him. What is the statistical chance of a match like that? I don't know. I would say it's, it's super rare. Yeah, and but again, I mean, there was – I was thinking about this when I when I moved my stuff to Memphis. You know, I was like, the truth is, like I'm kin to half the people in Tipton County in some way. I think yeah. the Vanduzers should have a turkey scratch. Mm-hmm. You know, it's where my grandparents were. I mean, you follow it far back enough, we might all be kin. Yeah, you know, yeah. And I, uh, you know, like when I first first started dating my wife, because she grew up over on Bringle, and I grew up down in Burleson on Lavelle Road, and. Um, we had to go meet each other's grandparents to make sure we weren't cousins. You yeah, know? I, mean, I like, can relate. That's how it works down there. It's yeah. uh, like I was, I was really thinking about that when I decided, hey, I'm going to move my, you know, mm-hmm. surgery to Memphis. And plus, my mom lives in Memphis, you know, it's mm-hmm. like Burleson. So, um, anyway, uh, so I don't know what the odds are, but um, I, it worked out really well. And I know that while I was there, I met some other people that had gotten um, a, a received organs from uh katie and her family it was uh, her cousin i believe got her liver and she was on the same unit like four doors down from me mm-hmm. and um but when they plugged katie's kidney into me it just immediately began working i mean like it stunned the doctors how much fluid i was putting off they were like look you gotta stop drinking water like you're getting dehydrated with some gatorade in you for a while you know mm-hmm. Because you're putting out so much fluid. Essentially, as soon as they plugged it in and push go, it was like it. You know, the organ had never been on ice. Still, and everything's been good so far. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very painful to have surgery. I'm sure that any of your fans out there that are women are like, oh, you're, you're a wuss. You know, they got a C-section and went back to weightlifting the next day. You know, but <laughs> yeah. I am not a woman, and so I am very susceptible to pain. <laughs> And I'm a redhead, and so you know, pain medication and and all that's a little different for me. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, no, it hurts to the dickens. It's not as bad as it was before. I mm-hmm. mean, like, the hematuria, which is the bleeding um, that was happening for my old kidneys, was extremely painful. It's just, and the, the doctor said it only was like one in 100,000, you know, of the IgA nephritis cases has this pain syndrome. But my doctor in Helena, my nef- 
my nephrologist, that's a kidney specialist, he had another patient that had the same pain syndrome with it and it, it you know it's like if your body is putting out a lot of blood then it's going to affect your vascular system and and so it was just presenting with a lot of pain and and um now that my kidneys i've got three kidneys now that's how it works they don't go in oh they don't take the other one out no they don't they don't take anything out oh so you you get you know I'm i didn't a, know that yeah i'm a tripod i'm a, <laughs> I'm a three kidney but the other two they they kind of shrivel up and go away <laughs> Hmm. Um, they said within three years to probably won't be relevant anymore. Do, do, I know, obviously, you're on pain medicines and whatnot, but is there other medication you have to take? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's anybody that gets an organ has to take anti-rejection drugs. I mean, and that's that's the frontiers of science, right? Aaron and I were talking about this the other morning. Um, you know, they've found ways to genetically alter organs from family members so that they match exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, like they treat people bef- with bone marrow transplants before they go in for the donation and then their DNA changes to you know it's the same as the kids or hmm. whoever they're donating to these parents did this recently and they donated a kidney apiece to their twins that were born without kidneys and they had to take no rejection drugs because they changed their DNA now you saw recently in the headlines that this guy received a heart from a pig well they had injected his you know they had cloned this pig and put his DNA in it and so it was his heart you know by all practical purposes Mm -hmm. that's I mean it's his DNA and so you know I talked to my doctor about you know what's the frontier like like what's next and he said listen what's next is go find a kidney and don't worry about what's next you know because they're not going to invent a a way to 3D print a kidney in the next 10 years because unlike a heart which you can build on a lattice it's all one type of cell. Mm-hmm. He said that there's like 14 types of cells in a kidney. And so, you know, it's still, donation still the gold standard for, you know, kidney disease. And, um, you know, when I worked for the NRA back 2008 or 10, I had a donor in Jackson Hole, and he was actually a University of Alabama uh, doctor. And I asked him one day, like, what do you do at University of Alabama as a doctor, you know? And he said, oh, I'm a, I'm a kidney disease researcher. And he said, I said, oh, you know, I've got this kidney disease. He said, you're lucky you don't have liver disease or something because kidney disease is what the government spent the most money researching. He said, you know, we can slap a kidney in and out of you, no problem, you know. And so I wasn't so worried about, you know, what was the result of the kidney, um, even though I have to take a lot of anti-rejection drugs. I was worried about, you know, the fact that it might not happen. Mm-hmm. Like that's, you want to talk about the anxiety that you have as somebody that's waiting for a kidney or any kind of organist that it might not happen. I'll deal with the problems after the fact, you know. So then clearly you're a supporter of organ donation. Yeah, yeah, I'm an organ donor. I don't know if they'll want mine. I'm going to mm. hopefully use them up. Well, you uh, might have something else they want. Yeah, um, but, you know, my like my mom saw, she's an RN, and she worked transplant um, in hearts in Memphis, and she worked uh, uh, in ICU, and she saw a lot of people die who were organ donors and their organs harvested. And she said, listen, they... They come and get your eyes first thing because so many people, so many kids have severe ocular disease, and if they get their cornea, then it may save their their vision, you know, yeah. especially as a kid because they can grow into it. Um, but, uh, you know, Brian, his granddad was uh, legally blind, and so we saw firsthand yeah, every that. day the challenges that people. somebody went through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he still worked. You know, he worked for Texas Gas, and he was uh, legally blind. Yeah, he went completely blind. That, that mic's not on, uh, Brian. If you want to jump on that one. Oh, Lord. Yeah, <laughs> people, uh, 
I got a fever when he was 19 or so, I believe. He was best friends with my grandpa. And my grandpa got sent off to World War II, so, you know, like everything happens for a reason. But, I mean, how many people do you know that have had liver disease or kidney disease or, you know, something where an organ donor could have saved them? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's substantial. And there's so many people waiting on the list, you know. And some people are willing to give an organ for somebody they don't even know. I mean, anybody out there waiting for an organ, uh, you know, I would tell them you got to get out there and market yourself. You know, you got to get out there and, and talk to people about it and say, hey, you know, I'm looking for, um, I'm looking for some life. Ben said that uh, Peepaw also <laughs> played the shit out of the organ. Yes, he did. yes, he did. <laughs> and I don't it's that. all by feel and oh, all yeah, by, yeah. it's all by, uh, well, by memorization. He drove. He drove. <laughs> I, well, I drove him. For I remember. A long time. I, I, right I do remember drove. that. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, he just memorized everything. I mean, oh yeah. You could see like <clears throat> ten feet blurry. Yeah, yeah, and he had this, he called it his little uh, uh, bullseye or whatever. It's like a super big magnifying thing that he yeah. would read with. Uh, but now he went blind, completely blind, for about like six weeks. He said he was sitting on a tree and he got a bad headache, and then next thing you know, he couldn't see anything. Wow. Um, and then after that, it, it came back. And so it was blurry, and he could kind of read, um, but he did everything by feel. Everything by field. He built a windmill in yeah. the, uh, that generated electricity, and he already <laughs> built a cabin, the little yeah, house. And he'd send us out to go get like some, you know, uh, nuts for the bolts or whatever. He'd feel them like, no, that's not the right size. Give me another one, you know. And that's what he did. Uh, but uh, he, that brings up a really good point as far as like uh, you were talking about organ donation. Yeah. You know, uh, and I don't know what the statistics would be, but most people think I mean, they just check the box on their. Uh, Driver's license. Driver's license, and when they, they, you know, something unfortunate happens to them, then you get it. But you've also got the folks that would yeah. come out and just say, look, hey, I need a kidney. Okay, I'll give you one, as opposed to, you know, something tragic happening. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and, and it happens all the time. And the National Kidney Registry matches those people up, you know, right. like if you're... Well, I, di- I didn't know until you said something, Pepper, that I didn't know that there's a give and get. Like, yeah, you're talking yeah. about the voucher thing. Yeah. That, you don't like, need to be a blood type. Is that a new yeah. thing? I think it's about five years old. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it just coordinates, you know, there's like a chain of kidney operations that have to go on at once. Right. And they coordinate across hospitals and, you know, sometimes you gotta go, they're like, Oh, you gotta go to Philly to make this happen. You know? So you gotta do what you gotta do. People that are waiting for an organ don't give a crap where you send them. It's like, Oh, we have to send you to Baghdad. Now let's do this. You know? Well, what's the alternative? Right. It's, you know, the hell that I was living is is mild compared to what people on dialysis are doing. Well, and assuming that this all, it seems to be going well, and obviously we we pray that it continues to go well, but assuming that everything's fine, I mean, arguably it's a new lease on life for you, right? Yeah, and, and, you know, they they give you conservative numbers, and they say, oh, well, you got got seven good years with a transplanted organ, but you talk to people, and, you know, like I'm on Facebook forums with people that are, organ donor recipients and you know they talk about um 20 years very frequently you know you, you got to take these medications yeah you know like you got to do it on a schedule you got to get up at seven o'clock in the morning and take some and then you got to wait an hour to eat and then you eat and then you take more and then you you know how old are your kids my kids are 13 and 10 13 and 10 so it arguably gets you at least through to them being adults yeah, they, I could see them getting married. A, so, like, my point is, is even if people don't like you, your kids are benefiting, you know, because they got wow. a daddy still. Sure. Wow. Um, yeah. No, I, you know, in Helena, we, um, 
we enjoy Helena a lot. They did a front page story on my kidney donation in the local paper, the Helena IR. Um, and um, we had a GoFundMe page up, and folks were generous and helped us out a lot, you know, with the travel expenses and stuff. And you find a lot of friends that you don't know you had mm-hmm. in moments like these. And uh, I appreciate everything that everybody's done. You know, everybody's been so generous, and the Venduza family was so generous. And um, like you said, I think that Katie's. Um, donation has now saved four separate people Mm -hmm. Um, minimum yeah and you know you don't even know whose life has just been made better Mm -hmm. like you know and and not to mention the residual benefit from people that love those people yeah absolutely that are benefiting from them still being able to be here well it's taking something that's extremely tragic and at least finding some good yeah clearly so miss donna's one of the sweetest people i know yes she was there for me back when i went through you know i always reference my own personal divorce that's my big thing you know but she was there and she was uh she's been a staple in my life and so has her family and i've always thought thought highly of all her her children and so i mean obviously it's tragic that she had to lose a child i could only i can't i can't imagine how she felt but i i would hope it gives her some peace knowing that that sacrifice has helped so many other people yeah I, I think that that's the only sometimes that that's what you hold on to you know it's like what kind of positive can i find out of the situation you know because we're all looking for answers you know it's like is there some sort of rhyme or reason behind what happened and you know in my life in my the lives of my children or is this are we all you know are we just casting the dice you know what, what what's life really about and so you look for those positives you know you're like desperately seeking those positives in your moments of grief like that so i hope that you know the fact that she saved my life um is a positive for the family i I know that um like i said i saw her aunt um at the hospital and her family was there and she's got an adult daughter that's got children and you know they're probably coming up on great-grandchildren or something these days and so um, I'm sure those people are extremely grateful and, you know, just the life change that somebody that receives that organ donation. I've seen people that need livers to start getting that jaundice. You know, my dad had liver disease before the COVID got him, and um, it was rough, you know. I mean, it eats you up. And so if somebody can be saved, um, and, you know, I think with some liver donations, they do pieces. Right. Like yeah, gonna- the liver is one of the organ or one of the organs. I don't know if it's the only one that can regenerate self-regenerate sure like a lizard tail right um so yeah i I think that even that could have been multiple people so but yeah you know i would have taken more than one kidney absolutely but they only will they only put one in you and so um i got this third kidney that i've got now and um so you arguably could have four i know a guy that did not know that one of my one of my dispensary patients, he had gotten his mother's kidney at birth because he was born with some internal organ issues, and his kidneys were there, but they weren't functioning. And then his mother's kidney burned out on him after eighteen years, and he got another kidney from the list, and uh, so he had four kidneys in there. And I don't know, you know, like where they stuff it because, like, <laughs> I, you know, I got plenty of room and I can still feel it. Like you can physically Ooh. feel where they really, put, yeah. Do I you can think feel that's it. just a shadow thing or like an uh, like an, a, a, a mental thing that you're like, ah, there's something there? Or do you... no, no, like, like my body shape has changed as well, like from the surgery. Well, Katie was was pretty, so have you got more attractive. <laughs> yeah, and listen, uh, like I have the the kidney of a 38 year old now, mm-hmm. so. But evidently, women's kidneys are a little smaller, and so 
um, you know, it's a little easier to put it in there. But uh, I talked to the doctors about my creatinine levels and things like that. So why did why did they not? It, it, I guess the I, I haven't really ever thought through this, but it, it would seem to me that if your body accepts it, I don't understand why it would, it would give out after a certain amount of time. Just. Uh, just the process. I, I can't. I can't explain it to you. I'm sure mm. that it has to do with the rejection. Some people's bodies eventually just accept the organ. Mm-hmm. Some people's don't. Listen, they told me I'm. I'm very likely to get skin cancer because of the drugs I'm taking. The cell set. Yeah, but you were ginger anyway. I was gonna. I was likely to get skin cancer <laughs> yeah. anyway. But now I'm at a very high risk of it. Hmm. Um, and so you know, like one of the things they tell you is wear a hat. And I was like, I got that covered. Yeah. You know, but. Uh, I wear long sleeve shirts all the time anyway because I don't like to wear sunscreen. And when I go to the river, you know, it's like every time you jump in, you don't want to film around you. You start to wonder, like, am I changing the gender of the frogs in this area, you know? (laughs) And so um, instead I wear these long sleeve shirts, you know, and I've been doing that for a long time. And so um, I don't – hopefully I'll be able to go fishing and swimming, you know. Maybe I'll just go closer to dark. I don't know. Yeah. I don't go to the beach anyway, so uh, it's not so like you're gonna say uh, so. What you're saying is you're gonna go fishing in the dark. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but uh, I can't go swimming this it's year. A reference, so Google it. No rafting. <clears throat> I've got. I can't go swimming in the river because you know I've just had surgery, so I've got this this foot long scar that I got to tend to. Well, you just got to put us on the river and then wave at us when we, we go down. The yeah, road. that's what's gonna happen. Is yeah. Brian's gonna be at the house here in a couple weeks and. Well, if if you if if Katie were sitting here, what would you say to Katie? Um, I don't know. I mean, what do you say? Thank you, of course, always. Um, I don't know. You know, you wonder if if you knew that you were going to die, what would you know? Like that—that's the thought that goes through my mind. Like if she knew she was going to die anyway, what would her thoughts be leading up to that? You know. Would she have looked herself for people who she could have helped live longer? You know, would I have been one of those people she chose? I don't know. I'd hope so. I'd hope that she would feel good about it. I mean, the truth is, she doesn't know, and you know, she she wasn't aware when she when she passed. Um, I hope that she didn't suffer long. I hope that none of us has to suffer. But uh, I think that uh, you know, it's it's difficult as somebody that receives an organ to think that, hey, you know, I deserve this. Um, And I can't imagine how someone's parent would respond. Um, You know, it's like, I'm never going to be as good as Katie, you know, for her family. And I don't, I don't want to be right. Like that's, that's her family. That's her connection. Um, At the same time, I hope that I can give them something to hang on to, you know, something to be hopeful about. Um, you know, a good story to tell um, her children and and just something positive that came out of the experience, you know, because the fact is that we're all going to pass. We're all going to die at some point. What's going to happen as a result of your death? You know, are, are you going to save four people? I think uh, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to rejoice when Jerry dies. Yeah, well, um, you know, but all seriousness, like, you know, what's, what's going to be the result? Like, you know, how do you value your own existence? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I'm not an organ, an organ donor right now, but after this, Why not? I, I, I don't know. You know, it's a good question. I guess part of it is because I always thought, you know, death is a scary thing. And I think part of it is I'm like, if I'm, am I really dead? Cause you hear horror stories about, 
you know, they wake up in the morgue and whatnot. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, I don't want them hacking on me if I'm not fully gone. Yeah. I think you watch too many mummy movies. <laughs> <laughs> probably right. No, no, it is true, though. Well, it, obviously not in today's day and age. No, but, but that's, know, that's why what they what put the bells. That's saved why they by the bell, mm-hmm. you know, and then the uh, the graveyard shift and right. all that stuff. And that's what wakes were, right? Yeah. We, you we, waiting for them to wake up. We're going to keep them around for about yeah, a week. Yeah, you're going to check, make if sure. If they don't start stinking, then they're still kicking. They're good to go. You know? So, uh, but I mean, at this point, I do agree that if, uh, when I'm dead, like the idea that it would do some good for people, right? Uh, I think it weighs on me, right? You know? Especially, you... especially knowing that it would help people I know, right? You know, like if I were dying, I would, I would definitely give you a kid, absolutely. You know, even Brian, maybe. Yeah, why not? So. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh... I think it's more my liver that I'm going to need. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> Well, we know a few people that had to get those, didn't we? Mm. Um, but no, I shockingly we've we've got a good friend uh, that same thing. He had a kidney or not a kidney liver. A liver transplant. Yeah, and he takes the drugs every day. And oh, they're um, harsh. They're harsh. I'll tell you. I, um, you know, you get little side effects you didn't think of, like felt swelling of the feet. You know. And... <laughs> oh my god! When do you go back? When, when he came back? in the other day, he was. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but he was laying on your couch with yeah. his feet propped up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, "Man, I'm like a I'm pregnant lady. I got to put my feet up." Yeah, I had swelling. a reverse C-section. They cut me open and put something in <laughs> rather than <laughs> get some extra. In. But anyway, it you know, like I have to watch my salt intake now. You have to like have diet restrictions, so. I have to drink a lot of water, and I have to watch my um, exposure to the heat and stuff like that. But I talked to the surgeons there, like, what do you expect, dude? Like, we put a lot of water in your body mm-hmm. just to make sure everything was working. And when you have surgery, just weird things happen. So you're going to have some water. Have you seen your family yet? Uh, yeah, Jamie came in. I hadn't seen the kids except for just, you know, video calls yeah. and stuff. But um, Jamie came with the dog, so that's the important part, The dog right? is very important. You know, what um, kind of dog you got? We have a Yorkie. Oh so, no! Yeah, we, the Yorkie people. We we definitely. I didn't. I, I really thought up till now that he was wasn't a communist. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we had border collies, but you know when you get kids, you need a less um, demanding dog. And yeah. I, I think our I don't even know if our dog's alive. Sometimes like this dog sleeps like sixteen, eighteen hours a day. I, but then she walks across the room and gets tired because it's a long way for a small Yorkie, mm. and it's like I don't know, I'm, I'm done with that. Brian person. has a dog we call Killer. It's my favorite because it, it, it's a small dog. It's all furry looking. It looks so sweet. He's a freak of nature that and shouldn't exist. And then this dog kills everything. Like it's killed goats it and chickens. And and I was like, oh, that's my spirit animal. This little hairy dog. We had a cat that was a killer, you know, and bring like half speaking, a rabbit. It, it was, a speaking of Yorkies, he's a cross between a Yorkie and an Australian Shepherd. Oh, there you go. And, and the... the so he's British puppies and were so big at the same time. He's like the a puppies criminal. were so big that they had to do a C-section on the dog. So technically, he should oh, wow. not exist. Mm-hmm. Anyway, like a, he's got a, he's got a weird collection of like a liger. Yeah, we have we have also a, a mutual very good friend who loves Killer as well. Yes, that that uh, actually mouth kissed Killer, <laughs> and uh, he's a, he's a lawyer. That's we'll leave it at that. He's well, a lawyer. Each their own. <laughs> But no, we uh, the kids have not come. You know, they're busy. They got plays. Yeah, and they yeah. had to finish school and stuff. So, and you they know, got no time for you. One of the big dangers once you get a transplant is um, chickenpox. Chickenpox? Did yeah. you not have that? Have as you already a kid? had chickenpox. I've had chickenpox a lot, all of, several times, um, because I have a weird immunity. But several times, once, I thought you could only get it like once. You no, can get it, it. You can get it not bad, and then you can get it if you I, get it bad enough. Apparently, you don't get it again. Well, that's what shingles is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's adults. all herpes, isn't it? 
it's all the same disease, but you know, it manifests itself different ways. But when you erase your immune system so that you can accept an organ, like your body still remembers that it had this virus at one point in the past and that thing could come at any point. And so if I get exposed to any kids that have chicken pox, I'm going to get chicken pox again. Stay away from kids, man. So I'm trying to generally stay away from kids. You know, I've got to fly home on the 30th. So, you know, I'll be wearing my. You can always N95. ride with us. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Family truckster. <laughs> it, it does. It's, it's kind of painful to ride in cars still. You know, like you jiggle. And so mm-hmm. like my organs, they're all in different places now. So mm-hmm. they feel a little different. It kind of hurts. But um, so I'm not looking for a 2,000 mile road trip at any point in the very near future. But I'll fly home. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've actually got to fly to Bozeman, which is an hour and a half away from the house. But, you know, if you can fly into Montana, generally speaking, you, you can get there. Within yeah, Montana's day. got a real low population in comparison to most. A million people in the entire state. And that place yeah. is it's huge. huge. It, most of the population lives in the West. Are they? Are is it? I've never been to Montana. Is, is it all cowboys? And... Nah, I mean, it's just like here. Just like mm-hmm. anywhere else. Except the one thing that threw me off was when we were driving from, we flew into Bozeman drove up to uh, Helena and while we were driving up Laura and I were noticing that the hay bales are like four times as big as like a square bale down here it's like four times the size of a regular square bale yeah and they get nothing but cows and cows and cows and cows well there's three times as many cows as there are people so there's like four million cows well how's the prices up there not to change the subject just same as here we're gonna say we're seeing inflation here on it yeah I mean so many people wanted to move in the housing market you know, there's just not a lot of extra housing in Montana. If you don't live in town, then you're in danger of dying from nature. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing that he was talking about is that out there, everybody, you know, tries to help everybody. Yeah, even if you, you come, don't like you your come neighbors. across somebody that needs help, you better help them because the next time it might be you. Yeah, you, you don't you don't pass somebody by if they're in the ditch. Um, I have good friends that live all over the state, but um, in southeastern Montana, on the northern Cheyenne and Crow Reservations, I've got some good friends there. I'm one of my political candidates, Jason Small, he's a state senator, lives at Northern Cheyenne. And so we're Facebook friends, and a lot of the Crow are Facebook friends with me. All Native Americans that I know are on Facebook. And I think because the technology was designed for tribes, Mm -hmm. you know, like friend groups, Mm -hmm. it's just like the most effective communication platform in the world for Native American tribes because everybody's like everybody's cousin. Mm -hmm. And so um, anyway, so you see everything from the community on Facebook and when people's kids go missing, which is, I mean, it's just very, very common that their daughters go missing there. This, really? Yeah. We have this missing and murdered indigenous people problem. Like, it's got its own name. It's such a substantial issue. Hmm. Um, That's the thing that I was shocked about. What is the basis of that, though? Well, just... they, the, the FBI is their law enforcement. They just don't, you know, like, everything's a suicide. Oh, yeah, you got shot in the back of the head at 30 yards? Obvious suicide. You know? Hmm. Like, Native Americans, you want to see the power of socialism. And it's extreme. Like, there it is. The government takes care of everything there. You know, they mm-hmm. don't do it well. And also, we're talking about the people that kick the crap out of Custer. And so, you know, the government's still angry at those people in some way. But um, in Canada and in the U.S., both. Um, so they have their kids go get missing like that regularly? Oh, man, A lot. I mean, yeah. up there, the weird thing is they always have, like, uh, billboards and all kinds of stuff um, about yeah. how. Well, I mean, think about it. They're they're trafficked. Uh, they're the population that they're so often murdered, murdered, and and and, and by people kidnapped. they know. 
You know, it's alcohol is so insidious, guys. I just, you know, I can't drink. It's, but when I could drink, I did. Um, and, you know, I frequently drink to excess, but I was never a violent drinker. Some people are. And some people, when they drink alcohol, do things that they might not otherwise do. And Yeah, you got to watch those Huffmans on uh... – never mind. I'm just joking. It's a joke, Brian. It's a joke. Don't get all offended. Um, I'm not offended. But, uh, you know, every everybody here – has witnessed somebody that was one of those, oh, don't give that guy Maker's Mark. Don't give that guy Southern Comfort. You know, we all know somebody like that, right? But you know, get people, hey, don't give that guy weed. Right. You know, you never hear that, right? Well, he'll pass out. Yeah. Like, he's going to eat all your Doritos. <laughs> I, I told Brian the other day, this is very inappropriate, but I'll say I don't hear. Why not? I said that the, the adult male that I'm probably closest to my whole <laughs> life is Brian Huffman. And since oh, Lord. the level of closeness, like to me, the pinnacle of closeness would be, you know, we have the, the whole gay sex thing going. Since that ain't going to well, happen. I, I thought you were going to say something simple. Like no, we, no. we peed together no, outside no, no. or something. I'm <laughs> saying since that's clearly not happening. Cross stream. So inappropriate. I said the I only way, to me, the you. only pinnacle that I could get to with Brian is to mutually do, you know, like marijuana or something, because I haven't done that together, and it would be, uh, that would be like our pinnacle, right, Brian? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you could maybe do a, a sweat lodge ceremony or something. No, <laughs> I would, we should probably do that one of these days. Yeah, y'all used, like, yeah, we so used to do this. Yeah, we used to do this. Jerry may have come to one of those. No, so I, I, had, I hadn't been any of those. Oh, no, so, I, so look, I would I'm be not, totally down for a I'm sweat not lodge. opposed to all this stuff. It's just, it, it's not my thing. Because sure. if you remember Pepper, back, you knew me back in high school. Yeah. In no, high school, man, it should be your thing because you were in the martial arts. No, but I didn't want. I, we didn't have the data we have now. I didn't want anything that would in, infringe my ability to progress. Your as a martial hero artist. is Joe Rogan. That's what he does. He does mushrooms I, and eats I like know. you know, I, you know uh, at this point, elk liver. At this point, raw. though, it's I ate some. I ate some uh, liver the other night. Matter of fact, raw. No, I didn't eat it raw. I couldn't do that. Flash fried, grainy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I just, I, I just don't know that I need it. You know, we should tell so, Reggie to do uh, flash fried liver at the, the cellar. Uh, man, it wasn't very good to be honest. Like I, I tried to pretend like it was a steak, but it's gritty. No, it's just and liver. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, liver so, eating Johnson over there. I, I look, I look on the weed thing. Like I, not, it's a circle back because we want to finish things up, and I want to waste you say all circle back. Time. Yeah, I did say circle back. Oh lord. So on the weed thing, like I'm not opposed to it. I, I think I've seen the, the the studies. It's I think it's very beneficial. I think it causes. Well, what about the NHTSA study that talks about uh, decreasing the effects of alcohol? Yes, what? no, there is a study that shows that I've used this in DUI defenses. Mm -hmm. That if you, I shouldn't say this because people will do it, but there don't, is a, don't do this. There however. is a study that shows that if you are smoking marijuana while drinking alcohol, it lowers the negative effects of the intoxication from alcohol. Because we all agree that this is way worse than cannabis. Oh, yeah. You know? Absolutely. So, uh, yes. But at the same time, I have... I don't think a reasonable person could argue otherwise. I don't either, but that's why... Who I, do I you know that's ever died from... I struggle with the people that oh, are... Zero. It's like that... Uh, uh, what is it? Walking... Walk hard. The Dewey Cox story. Dewey, Dewey. You, you can't OD on it. Yes. It's not happening. You don't want me. any of this, Huey. <laughs> get away. He's like, well... What is it? Am I going to get addicted? You're not going to get addicted. It's not habit forming. <laughs> you can't OD on it. You know, and I'm sure we all know people that, you know, they they watch Judge Judy every day and they have to watch Judge Judy. So everybody, anything could be habit forming, right? Anybody can go overboard with anything. You can go overboard with eating or sex or 
you know, like reading billboards on the interstate. I gotta read it. You know, you're gonna have a wreck and die. I don't know. <laughs> the damn kicking lawyer billboard. I gotta read that kicking lawyer billboard. I need to see the law hog. Yeah, uh, that's a new one. But uh, no, so I'm not gonna say the marijuana can't be a habit for me. I think it can be, and I think that people that have a history of schizophrenia in their family should be careful. I think oh, any, yeah. anybody under 25 should be very careful. Um, if you want to know about uh, the medicinal uses of marijuana, you should talk to my wife. She's read all the studies. She knows how it works. Yeah, she's and she's, doctor, and so. she's right about that, too, because, you know, she's like, well, all right, if you have any history of schizophrenia or schizoaffective That's disorder, right. Don't do you got to be careful. Hey, Ron is watching, just FYI. And, and people, Ron. Yeah, Ron. People need oh. to be informed, you know, when they do things. Hello, Ron. Um People need to make good decisions. And listen, I'm totally against kids using drugs. I, in drugs. the past, come back to haunt you, Lopan. You know, we, and that's a big thing we did. We made it 21 and over, Montana. I think that the studies are going to show. Well, Laura says that, you know, un, she's not a proponent of anybody under the age of 21 or really realistically 25. 25 right. No, because you your brain is not fully formed yeah. until that point in time. Well, my that, pro- here's my problem story. with all that is, is if you can enlist in the military. And go overseas and shoot our enemies. Like 10 people had the same argument in Montana, but I'm going to tell you from the voting. No, I don't disagree, but my point is it's, it needs to be one way or the other. Yeah. If we're well, going to send them be. over there at 18 to kill folks, well, now, you should be able to smoke, drink, whatever. As you can tell from our media, if we you don't think much of killing can... people in this country, right? Like, if you go to Europe, you're going to see nudity on television. Oh, yeah. Well, Germany's and, drinking age is 13. Yeah, and their drinking age is different. So, you know, like, they've got different values about what But now now they're talking about, you know, you can enlist in the military at 18 and fire a, an M4, but we want to take away the AR-15 until you're 21. In the private, here. yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I, really, listen, I think we're going to really. move towards 25, guys. I think we probably will, but... It, what's that going to do? I mean, the black market's going to exist for those people. They're going to go to somebody they know that's 25 and purchase it for them. So I think 21 is probably reasonable. It's with alcohol. Uh, how, how are how are folks in Montana on the Second Amendment issues? I mean, it's Montana. So. Yeah. Come on, man. I would, it's Montana. Guess. I would guess I know. I'd say the you average You probably person, know from that, that TV show called Yellowstone. Yeah, I don't watch that. I don't either. We live in Montana. I watched it. It's, it's pretty like, good. It's like when you work at the hospital and you watch ER. It's like, yeah. that's, that'll never happen. Nope. <laughs> Law no, shows. No, that's, that's, that's not, not how this works. here. You can't that's do that. That's not how any of this works. Nah, any you, movie, you're like, yeah, that's a felony. Oh, that's yeah. a felony. Yeah. I tell, yeah. I tell oh, you the show too. y'all need to watch if you haven't is The Boys on Amazon Prime. I've yeah, been yeah, told I've to watch that. Okay, you need to watch it. The new season is out. The new season is out. And it's not for children, but it's definitely a very good um, it's a super. It's have an you watched it? Superhero. Have you watched it, Josh? I watched a couple of the episodes from the first season. I, I'm not called up. I think it's pretty episode. accurate as to how it would go if people actually had superpowers. Oh, I agree. Yeah, sure. I, like, I like their Superman iteration. You talking about like the, the uh, like uh, corporation? Yeah. yeah. Well, they have, taking over and like sponsorships. Yeah, but they and, have real human problems. Oh yeah, yeah. Like they're addicts and they have you know sexual. Let me issues think about it. If you can do whatever the hell you want. You know, what's to stop you, really? Right. Well, ask Charlie Sheen. AIDS. Does <laughs> <laughs> he have tiger AIDS blood? AIDS to stop you, yeah. Does he have tiger blood? But yeah. uh, anyway, I, you know. Hashtag winning. That, you know, I, Charlie had his own problems, I think, with addiction, too. And maybe if marijuana had been legal, he wouldn't have become an opioid addict or heroin addict. Or, and Opi- that's, opioids that's are the stuff. Are, that, they're insidious, too. Alcohol yeah. and opioids are just really bad. Um, and so if you're going to have somebody doing something, if you can choose on the spectrum, if you can say, okay, I want society to have this as their ill, what do you choose? 
Well, you can't make money, you know, with marijuana. The pharmaceutical companies, I mean, you, you can make money. Sure. But nowhere near the amount of money you can make in, like, Xanax prescriptions. Sure. You sure. know? And, Big Steve. And they will always, yeah, it's probably him. It is. Uh, they can always tweak the formula and then get another patent for another 20 years. Sure. And that's the, the brand name. It's just ridiculous the well, way they do that. You know, and again, it, it usually comes into your state, medical marijuana first. Oh, yeah. That's because... Tennessee's going to be one of the last states, and, and they're missing a huge opportunity. Yeah, Mississippi, Arkansas, huge. Kentucky, well, North I, I Carolina. Was, I was on drug-free Tipton Missouri. Uh, for a while. And that coalition, a lot sake. of them view weed, as they still view weed as a gateway. They viewed that if they do weed, they can keep viewing it that way all they want. I know. I'm just saying true. that that's. I don't agree with you're it. You're saying they it's think if true. you inject weeds, then you're yeah. Well, you're well gonna, if you have two marijuanas, you're pushing it. But if you have three marijuanas, oh my god, you're, you're gonna, gonna die. Okay. No, you're that's what die. they. I think Jerry Wayne was in the same uh, program that I was in in high school. <laughs> dare the, the dare, dare stuff. Dare or in grammar school, and so we that's what they a, told us. It yeah. was very unrealistic. It was it was nowhere no. near reality. Um, and you, if you lie to people like that, what do you expect their response is going to be? They're not mm-hmm. going to trust anything you say. We should have been reasonable and say, this just isn't for kids. Mm-hmm. This isn't for you. And, you know, like people say, oh, you're, you're, you're automatically going to be a bad example and kids are going to do this. Listen, tell me the kids aren't doing it now. And the fact is, is they've got licensed sellers then whose license is at risk if they sell to someone under 18, then they're going to be careful. I mean, mm-hmm. I know because I work in a dispensary, you know, you check everybody's ID. And they showed studies out of most of these states that legalize adult use. They have reduced teen usage because they see their parents using it for their bursitis and their arthritis and their, you know, anxiety from paying the bills. It takes, takes the coolness away. Yeah, it, it, yeah. That, that coolness it, factor it, just it's, evaporates. It's not, it's not the antique you know? shaking her, her pill uh, thing at the uh, the Strand yeah. <laughs> on a Saturday night. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it comes to is that, you know, it's not as exotic and, and – um, you know, something that would be taboo, and so kids aren't drawn to it as much. It's well, like, CBD uh, is legal. How many kids do you know are running out there doing CBD? Well, I, I know that Delta 8, you know, and I think we talked about Delta 8 a little we earlier have. this week. And, um, you know, Delta 8 is psychoactive. And so the, I think the USDA made a mistake, or the Department of Ag, when they put in the farm bill that it's not psychoactive or whatever. Did they the make mistake a mistake, was. though? Did right. they? But, um, I mean, if you're you probably need to put it in the same boat as marijuana. Um, you know, that you probably need to have uh, lab results. Like, you got to think, guys, when, when somebody goes about marijuana in Montana, it's been tested. It's been grown by somebody that's licensed. Uh, it's, they pay 20% taxes on it. And so we've generated, you know, uh, in the end, at the end of the year, we're going to have generated somewhere in excess of $50 million in new tax revenue. Mm-hmm. You know, that did not exist in the state. And that's well, in a state Co- Colorado did a billion, did they not? Yeah, yeah. And and seven thousand new jobs. I mean, these are these are good paying jobs and very soon they're gonna be carrying insurance as soon as the Safe Banking Act passes because there'll be businesses just like every other business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that but, that was one of the biggest drawbacks is because, you know, marijuana uh, THC it's still classified as Schedule One right, federally. So federally. It's Schedule so. Six in Tennessee. That should mm-hmm. tell you a hell of a lot. But Schedule One federally, and so banks can't touch it, credit card processors can't touch it. Right. Um, you know anybody interstate transport. Yeah, you have can't to touch you have it. to do compliant banking, which it's more complicated, but it's doable. But it's mostly cash still. 
and my which is a dangerous. yeah, it's, it's a detriment. It's not a good thing. And plus, the tax man cometh; he wants his money. You mm-hmm. know, and if you've got stacks of cash sitting around waiting for him, that you know it becomes complicated. Um, but uh, you know, we're moving to a mostly cashless system in Montana as we move forward. And our U.S. Senator, how about that crypto there, uh, Jerry? Yeah, Jerry. You're gonna I, actually, it's time to buy. It is time to buy. You see, Ethereum yeah. was well a thousand. Bitcoin, the other day. Bitcoin yesterday was under twenty thousand dollars. It dropped down to like eighteen. I think you got to wait till it's like sixteen. That's the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm waiting to see. I agree. I think it's sixteen's the bottom. I think sixteen's. We, we've here. got we got about a three year bear market ahead of us. Yeah, we haven't seen the bottom yet. Three year bear market. I don't know about three <laughs> year, but. All the stuff. Now's the time to buy. Like, I haven't sold any stocks or crypto. I'm buying stuff. Yeah, I think so, too. That's when you if buy. If you buy now, you're an, you're insane. Why? It's at the bottom. I mean, or yeah, it's getting near the it's, bottom. It's at the bottom? It's, I mean, I, I agree. I think there's right. another 30% hey, drop coming. This, That's what I this think. This thing is uh, time-stamped, right? Yes. So we can look at it in My three prediction years yeah. is 30% drop by the end of the year. Yeah. More drop. More. I mean, yes. Yeah. Musk is buying doggy coin, but, you know, like... To what end? Just so that he mm-hmm. won't get like lose a two hundred eighty-five billion dollar lawsuit. I don't Doggy know. Doggy coin. <laughs> <laughs> I bought some Dogecoin. I I, listen, I refuse to call it Dogecoin because originally. Oh yeah, no, I'm. I'm originally, the Apple engineers it that invented Doggy it coin. called it Doggy Coin. It's Doggy Coin, <laughs> and so I refuse to call it Doge. I got. I, got I watched little, that happen. I told. Uh, I told my business partner. I was like. Every time Elon Musk sneezes on Reddit, something happens, mm-hmm. and so I saw Tesla go through ludicrous uh, uh, value increases. And I said, watch this stupid cryptocurrency that they just came out with that he's tweeted about once. Watch it, like, get 800% value increase overnight. And it happened. And I was like, eh. And he's like, dude, you need to start buying crypto. I was like, the hell you say? I go to the casino. Maybe you lost your mind. You know, I don't know if you saw, but Miami has its own cryptocurrency because they're like the cryptocurrency city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have a Miami coin. It's well, almost worthless. Well, there's this all, town in all in of the, all the central banks are talking about doing a digital, you know, uh, fiat currency on mm. crypto. The U.S. government created U.S. One. dollar, a crypto dollar. Yeah. Yep. Have you seen what happened in Canada? They, they turn that shit off. Boom. Yes, sir. They do. Good luck. Yeah. The problem is, is you're not going to have the part of the reason that these governments have maintained such oh, powers. No, is because they control the currency. Have um, you ever have you heard the term? Petrodollar, have you heard that term? Petra, Petro, Petrodollar. Nineteen seventy-three. Have you have you heard of the Bretton Woods Accords? No, oh, Josh is telling me we need to tie it up. Uh, hey, I bet he does. You can tell us. <laughs> tell us about it. Tell us about it, Brian. No, 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 no. Just just Google the Bretton Woods Accords and the Petrodollar. All right. Well, before we go back, and then you'll figure out why we've had every war we've had since World War II. Nineteen seventy. Sorry, oil no, no, no. policy. <laughs> we, 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 we've had. Let's we've talk had about organ donation again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sum us up. Sum no, us up. I, I listen. If you're gonna be, if I mean, what are you gonna do with it? You, you take be it, an organ donor. Yeah. What are you What are you gonna do? You yeah, know, like I'm gonna be cremated when I pass. I know a lot of people are gonna be buried. What are you gonna do? Like you don't need your your organs when you pass. You don't need any of it. Um, I'm not gonna be cremated. I'm gonna be uh, thrown in a ditch with a uh, cord of wood and a five gallon. I thought it was a Viking uh, funeral. Uh, I I he was I, yeah, I, I was. I was oh, gonna pyre. Aaron has instructed me to Viking funeral him yeah. on the Mississippi River. Yeah. So. Why would you burn up a, a, a perfectly good ship? It's just a raft. Just yeah. just put like me in. Just Tom put Huck. me in the ditch. Yeah. Yeah. Put a quart of wood on top of there, you know, five gallons of diesel, light it up, call it a party. The gin bugs would get him. 
Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to inhale, Brian. Hey, I want to be crispy on the yeah, outside. You know, and roll the me up and smoke me when I die is what Willie said. Yeah. Um, but crispy um, on that side. You got to tell your family it's mm-hmm. not enough just to sign the back of your driver's license and say I want to be an organ owner because they're, they're, your, your family is going to be there. We we hey we're we're lawyers we do will packages. Um, put it in your will. Mm-hmm. Put it in your living will. Put it in your uh, healthcare Directive. proxy. Healthcare directive, mm-hmm. you know, DNR, whatever they want to call it. Yep. Put it in everything you possibly can. Because somebody could just say, "No, I don't like that," and mm-hmm. it stops the whole process. Unless, but if you if you got it out. in four documents, including yeah, you, the, you can the, save your ass. The check the box on your back of your license. Do it. Now you know, like me, like I said, I'm going to ride mine till the end. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, but hey, even a 90 year old man might have some nice something. You know, yeah. maybe a skin corneas. Yeah, exactly. Corny skin graft. Maybe, yeah. maybe I keep this beautiful head of hair until I pass. You know, and somebody needs nobody my hair. wants a ginger head. You know, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe somebody wants uh, some of my beard. Um, but no, I seriously tell your family if you're going to be an organ donor. Yeah. And like Brian said, make sure it's in your documentation if you've got it. Um, you know, put it on Facebook. Maybe if you show your lawyer that. That's time stamp. Become an advocate. Yeah, and I mean, I, tell you know, your tell your family members. I mean, like you want to talk about making a difference in the world. Like going on TV is powerful, and people see you and all that stuff. But like when you're sitting at home at ten o'clock at night with your family, and you tell them, then hey, I think it's important that I'm an organ donor, and if you pass, I'm going to donate your organs. I'm your parent, you know. So don't start thinking it's not going to happen with you too. Um, but no, be you know, have these conversations with your family and, and have them with your friends and make sure that they know what your wishes are. And, um, you know, maybe you can be somebody's, somebody's salvation out there as it were. Maybe you can keep somebody alive for for a long time and um, give them some quality of life. Years. Yeah, years uh, add to their life. And like me, like Jerry was saying, you know, my kids are 13 and, and um, 10. And so... Um, you know, eight more years puts me at 21. So that's graduating high school and going mm-hmm. into college. And mm-hmm. I mean, these are things that you don't think about until you. And then, and then the seven right, years, so. seven years is not even close. I no, mean, that, that's the that's the low. Yeah, that that's that's just like the disclaimer they get. Yeah. Here, sign this. You know. Well, I mean, honestly, even an extra year. I mean, really, realistically, right. even if you got an extra year. Right, right. If you knew you were going to go, that's a gift. You yeah, know. and I was going to go on dialysis, and so it's not like I was on a banana peel waiting to go in the grave, you mm-hmm. know. But dialysis is nobody's friend. Yeah. It, it, now my dad was it on it while he was in the hospital recently. My grand, my my Huffman granddad was on dialysis for like years. Yeah. And it was not not fun at all. No, you have horrible psychological yeah, effects terrible. from it too, like just nightmares. And but stuff. I I do want to say this. I'm sure she's probably listening. If she ain't listening now, she's going to watch it on a rebroadcast. Thank you, thank you, Donna Van Duser. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, thank, thank you, Katie. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, K- Katie, I think knows. Katie knows. At this point in time, she knows. Yeah. But the person who had to physically put their signature on the document, Donna Van Duser, thank you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. Well, and I appreciate you guys, even Brian. Thanks, thanks for being here. <laughs> yeah, on. absolutely. And uh, everybody that watched, I appreciate you paying attention. And please share this, and maybe we can get some more people on as organ donors. If you haven't already, please like, follow, subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget we're on TikTok. Also, August 20th and 21st, the Covington Comic Con is coming back to Covington. We are looking for vendors and sponsors. Where's the venue? Uh, Covington Civic Center. Yes. And then Michelle Allen is our longtime sponsor. She's a local realtor. She'd be glad to help you with anything you need property-wise. 
Mason's High Team Martial Arts, located in Covington, Tennessee, since 1993, making I, black belts I'm and in, kicking I'm there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we moved it, but you've been to the original one. Yeah. yeah I, uh, go to masonsmartialarts.com for that. Pepper didn't even get oh, to tell you about terrible. Yeah, he didn't even you get see to that? tell you about being kicked. Yeah. Kick oh, no, no, no. no. Ground kick. He has to tell that <laughs> and, uh, story. Before the cellar. We, no, no, no. Before I'm, we, I'm trying to do my lower thirds. Well, hurry up to yeah. get lower thirds. Anyway. All right. He's got to tell. Go to the store about getting kicked. <laughs> so Jerry just come back from China, North Korea, you know, and he was telling me all these stories about you know, these epic fights that he'd had, you know, on the Great the Wall Shaolin of China Monk and stuff. Mm-hmm. Shaolin the shit Monks. out of you, didn't he? He did. He did. And, yeah, for ten dollars. Uh, and Jerry, he, he went to a draw with uh, one of the guys that he had to fight, so they were real impressed with him. They're no, like, no, no, oh, the Shaolin Monk whipped the piss out of him. I'm not talking about the Shaolin Monk. Yeah. This is in He's competition. About, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the Korean Olympians, I yeah. believe. Yeah, yeah and that's right. And they had shown Jerry a kick. I think they were hanging out talking afterwards, or one of his masters was talking to him. And they said, you know, look, look at this Olympic Olymp- round kick, <laughs> uh, Olympic round kick. And so Jerry could tell you what that is specifically, but you uh-huh. like, you know, you just pull your hips differently. Yeah. Uh, and it's a round kick, and Jerry pulls it from, like, you know, Antarctica or somewhere. He pulls it from way back behind somewhere. <laughs> and he was like, dude, this kick's awesome, and it's the ultimate kick. And I was like, I don't believe it. you got to kick me. You know, I was like, because Jerry and I were in Taekwondo together. I turned Jerry on to ATA, uh-huh. actually. Yeah. And so uh, we were in Taekwondo together, and so. What was the uh, Taekwondo that uh, Aaron and I did? Pasaru. Pasaru. Yeah, that was with Elvis's. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Kang Yeah, Elvis's teacher. But Jerry, he had to do something more local. His parents retired, carting him back and forth to Memphis, I yeah. think. And so. That gets all quick. I turned him on to ATA, and then so we were always doing ATA stuff together. Um, and I think I was testing for my purple belt at the time. And I was like, dude, come kick me with this round kick. You know, it's like, I want to witness this ultimate kick that you've learned, you know. <laughs> and so I put two chest pads on and put my hands behind my head. And all right, let's do this, Jerry. And he kicked the shit out of me. Man. I mean, he lifted me off the ground with one kick. He like lifted me six inches off the ground. And I had the two pads on already. But I remember I didn't know where I was. <laughs> And I was in the air, and then yeah. I couldn't breathe, you know? And so I hit the ground, and I was just struggling to breathe. He knocked the air out of me. And I told him the other day, I was like, yeah, I think you're the one that caused this kidney disease. You <laughs> kicked the shit out of kicked me. Kicked him in an organ transplant. <clears throat> oh, it was rough. Yeah. Well, it was it was it was a it was a harsh kick, but hopefully. Well, I appreciate you still coming on this uh, podcast. Today. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. As long as you don't kick me, we'll be fine. no, no more kicks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, we will be on tomorrow. This was a special because we wanted to get Pepper on, but we do have a guest coming on tomorrow live at five, so you guys can tune back in and hopefully have some interesting conversation on that. So again, I thank Pepper and Brian for joining me, and yeah, I'll yeah. see you guys tomorrow. So keep kicking. Thanks for watching, guys. Just remember that this is not legal advice or investment advice or business advice. This is for fun and entertainment purposes only.